Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Matt Kurtzman. He is founder and CEO at Canald. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the work they do in helping cannabis businesses make better fact-based decisions. I'm excited for this, being kind of a tech geek and uh, always helping companies figuring out how to make better decisions and, and certainly supporting the idea that more data, better data is going to add to the process is key. So I'm excited to hear his story. I'm excited to talk about what they're doing inside the cannabis space in terms of analytics and modeling. Really, uh, I, I think it's a, an area of cannabis that is up and coming and is going to be a big part of the industry as we grow and scale. So with that, Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Bruce. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we dig into all the stuff you're doing in cannabis and the tech and business analytics, tell us a little bit of the background. What was your professional background? How did you get into cannabis? What's the story? Sure, yeah. So my basically my whole career, I've been in some type of analytic, data science, business intelligence type of role. And uh, I did a lot of retail stuff. I worked for Staples and Bose and um, Tyco Healthcare. And then I went and did some e-commerce work with TripAdvisor. 
And then my last formal career, so to speak, was uh, working for Boston Consulting Group. Mm-hmm. I was part of their their Gamma organization, which are okay. data scientists consultants. Yep. And there I focused on customer analytics. So I spent about four and a half, five years building out models to analyze how customers interact with loyalty programs and promotions, which was super interesting. Yeah. Really, really insightful. And working for BCG, I had the ability to kind of work in every industry. So airlines and retail and consumer goods. So I, I had a lot of different exposure when it came to the customer side. Sure. And then I kind of got burnt out with the um, with the travel. And <laughs> yeah. it was crazy. I was going literally all over the world. And at that point, I had started my small family. And um, I didn't want to do the travel anymore. But I was still super interested in analytics. And I quit, I quit BCG and decided to do independent consulting in the data science space. And I had the opportunity to work for a dispensary just south of Boston in 2017 at this point. Okay. Yep. And they were running a BioTrack, which is a seed to sale platform. And they were having some real challenges trying to get some high level executive reporting outside of the uh, outside of the platform. BioTrack has a huge suite of, of pre-canned reports. But if it's outside of the pre-canned reports, there's a lot of challenges in trying to add a little bit more color or flavor or do advanced analytics that goes beyond what exists inside of the platform. Got it. Yeah. So they had asked me if I could get into the back end of BioTrack, extract the data from there and see if I could use the raw data that sits uh, in the back end of BioTrack to build out some more detailed reporting for them. So I was able to get into the back end of BioTrack. It's sitting on a, a Postgres database. And I took all the data out and was able to format it in a way on my own on my own system and then just start feeding some real detailed reports back to the business. And it started on the retail side. So looking at dispensary type information, they were looking at uh, churn and retention type information for their medical dispensary. Mm-hmm. So what behaviors were patients showing that would lend us to believe that they would no longer transact at the dispensary anymore? Mm-hmm. So building out models to look at that and some behavior-based models as well. And then realize that pretty quickly that not only could I get information and insight from the retail data, but we were able to get information on processing, extracting, inventory management, and then at the grow. So looking at cultivation information. And uh, that was the genesis. And I've been neck deep in this space for almost four years now. Yeah. Yes, it's a fascinating area. I mean, in part because, you know, so many other industries and so many other, you know, companies in these industries have developed fairly sophisticated approaches to data analytics and, you know, business intelligence, where I mean, I guess how much of this for the cannabis industry is just the kind of the maturity of the industry and how things are kind of operated and, you know, how professionals approach it and how much of this is technical in terms of actually getting the data that we need to make these decisions, where, where would you say we are from a cannabis point of view? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I'm going to answer the second one first, and mostly because that's the part that really excites me, and, and that's the data availability. For operators that are working in the compliant market, you're required as an operator to literally track everything. As soon as a clone is snipped from the mother plan or as soon as a pre-roll crosses the scanner, at the point of sale, everything is tracked. And because everything is tracked with a, a, a digital signature, basically, every 
plant, every product has this beautiful digital footprint and life cycle that you can you can follow. So there is this enormous amount of data that's available because of these regulations that require from a compliance perspective to, to track everything. So coming from um, a data perspective, having that data availability is just amazing. And it allows you to work with a lot because we're looking at the lowest common denominator is the plant, and we can work up from there. So that's really exciting. Now, in any type of data analysis, the shit in, shit out concept is super yep. relevant. So we have to always kind of think about that. And this is where the first question that you ask come in about the maturity. I've seen, even in you know the short four years or so that I've been working on this, this huge growth in the questions that operators are asking about their business. Mm -hmm. I still think we're a ways away from using uh, technology and tools that non-cannabis industry in manufacturing or retail have have used, but that gap is, is closing very quickly. And the it becomes complex because of uh, the amount of data. I mean, the data availability is good and bad. There's so much of it, but then it's like, what do you do with it all? Yeah. So those are the two kind of paradigms that, that I'm thinking about is how to think about all of the data that's available, how to get it into a point where it's usable, and then how to work with the operators to make sure they're asking the right questions about how to improve their business using said data. Yeah. And, and how do you approach this when you're working with a company? Because I find that you know it's it's easy to kind of see this treasure trove of data and start start just diving into data and you know you you can get lost for a very long time. <laughs> you know, in terms of hey, look, we figure out there's a correlation here. Hey, but there's a trend here. You know, but how do you, you know, from a business point of view, help leaders, you know, decision makers figure out what data to look for or what data to collect, how to process it and how to kind of frame it in a way that's actually going to help them make better business decisions? Yeah. So basically, the, it, it's um, starting really, really simple. And you got to basically learn to crawl before you can walk. And that's a tough pill for a lot of operators to swallow. They want to get into predictive modeling right away. Yeah. And it just doesn't work that fast because you have to make sure that the data is in a given place, like in the right place, before you can start making informed decisions about the data. So the first thing that we always look at is how many senior managers or how much time is your is your is your senior staff spending crunching data in excel and what what's happening what we're seeing is you have director level manager level folks going into the back end or or the front end I should say of of seed to sale and point of sale platforms doing CSV data dumps and spending two, three, even four hours a day just churning out models in Excel. And um, it is such a time suck because nothing is automated, nothing is really uh, standardized, and everyone has their own version of the same thing. So there's a lot of rework that goes on. So the first thing is using the tools and the software that we build out to automate as much analytic workflow as possible. And what that allows is not only do your senior staff and even in like uh, entry level staff as well, not only are they not spending as well, not only are they not spending time working in Excel, more value add things, 
things. But what you start doing is gaining this beautiful level of clarity that you haven't had before. Once you start automating small analytic workflows that you hadn't done in the, in the past. So that's really the best step. I always say you can't know your cost per pound until you know how many pounds you're growing. Yeah. And, and, and that mental framework is really the way that we start off. Yeah, got it. And and where are you seeing the applications at this point? So, I mean, I, you mentioned some of the parts of the the cannabis grow chain, the the process that you're working with. Where do you see sort of the best applications? How are people using it? What is this data helping companies actually do when it comes to making decisions? Yeah, so it's um, it really touches every single vertical within the cannabis value chain. And the place where Canold really shines and excels in is we realize that seed to sale and point of sale aren't the only pieces that are running a given operation. There's payroll, there's environmental data, there's inventory data, so many components that are running the business outside of the point of sale and seed to sale data. Every single operator that I'm working with today is using some type of Google Sheets to capture information as well. And all that information is decentralized. So what is happening in our kind of area is we're we're centralizing that data. Agnostic to the platform, we take data from all different sources and put it together in a beautiful, centralized, standardized format so you can start making decisions about your business in a, uh, a more aggregate fashion. And the areas of the business that is relevant for this is every area. And the size of the operator from a single licensed retail operation to a, a multi-state operator that have five grow facilities and 30 different retail operations. All of these concepts are relevant for them. How to get disparate data centralized, how to standardize it so it's telling the story agnostic to the platform, and then putting all of that together in a way where you're answering questions that are allowing you to optimize processes and reduce waste. Now, given that I guess we're in a, a fairly dynamic industry that's growing pretty quickly, how how easy or hard is it to really kind of pick up on these trends when things are changing so much? I mean, are you do you have enough kind of consistency and historical data in these cases to build these models? Or I mean, if, if a company is growing very quickly, I always find it's hard to kind of find some of these trends because you just there's so much kind of churn or change in the data just because of the growth of the company. Give us a little insight in how you deal with that. Yeah, so part of the way that we kind of kick off our relationships is doing what's called a backfill. So when we're tying into the back end of a, a seed to sale or a point of sale um, platform, we usually leverage APIs to do that. And a backfill allows us to go back in history and take all of the data that's ever been captured with that platform and centralize it into our data warehouse. Mm -hmm. So we have this beautiful retroactive look as to what happened in the past. Then we have to go through this normal or sorry, the standardization process mm -hmm. where we have to go on and clean up the data because as you mentioned, the process is going to change, the business matures, people churn in and out of the business. Yeah. So there's a, a huge lift that's required to kind of do this standardization and, and cleansing. Mm -hmm. Once that's done, we can start looking at trends and 
This is where it's really important to have a really, really good relationship with the operator themselves. Because as you expose to them variations in the data from a trending perspective, they can basically add clarity as to what on the operation side influenced that change or not. And things are evolving very quickly. Today, we're using one-gallon pots, and tomorrow, we're doing three-gallon pots. And how does that change? How does that change the overall yield? And we can see those changes in the data and basically kind of draw a line in the sand saying, okay, before, you know, up to October, we were using one-gallon pot. Now, we want to try to see what the yield looks like or the grams per square foot, how that changes when we go to three-gallon pots. So, we, we draw the line in the sand from a data perspective and then look at the before and after. But being the only thing that's consistent is the inconsistency, if that makes sense. Yeah. And by knowing that and being able to have the clarity to see that from a data perspective, you can basically understand why there would be variation in a given process, but you can't fix it if you can't measure it. Yeah. Yeah. And how I'm curious what other sort of data or other data sources you're pulling in. I, I always kind of talk about an example. We did uh, in my tech business, we, we built a fairly sophisticated order management system between a bunch of retail restaurants and a commissary and the soup orders kept changing and we couldn't quite figure out why. But once we figured out the weather <laughs> prediction, we realized that, well, soup changes based on what the forecast was and stores would order more or less soup based if it was going to be cold and rainy or if it was going to be sunny. And once we kind of figured out this external data source and we could bring it in, we had a lot more clarity on, oh, okay, we understood kind of what the pattern was around some of this ordering behavior. How do you incorporate or what do you or what, what data have you found incorporating into the, the company's data that helps you build better models or understand you know, what's happening from a behavioral point of view? Yeah, so basically by being kind of platform agnostic, if there is data and it is capturable, so to speak, mm -hmm. we can do that. So overlaying weather and bumping that up against um, retail sales mm -hmm. or even, um, even flower room success rates. The the external temperature is is almost as relevant as the internal temperature. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's something that we've certainly done in the past on the weather side. Uh, because all of these platforms that operators are using are so decentralized, uh, payroll is is a, is a huge one. Mm -hmm. So you have all of these you have all this finished goods and work in process happening at the at the um, cultivation facility or the processing facility, and you can see who's doing what sometimes, depending on the platform, but you don't necessarily know how long they were doing it for, nor do you know how much you paid that person to do to do it. So um, by overlaying payroll data into uh, retail data, cultivation data, processing data, it gives you um, some really, really interesting clarity. Environmental data, so sensors in the grow room or sensors at the retail, how many people are in a given place or how many people cross a given threshold are really insightful to look at uh, conversion rates and yeah. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on. So our platform, again, agnostic to the data itself, is able to um, we're able to go in, bring it in, and then overlay it into uh, the the cannabis data coming from the plants or the retail side. I'm curious, what's the most interesting kind of insight you've been able to develop by looking at the data, and maybe you know insights that you've tried to look for but haven't been able to find, or or realize that you just don't have the data for, or, or things that you're you're continuing to search for in terms of questions that the business is asking that would really be helpful to get some data to make better decisions based on? Yes. Yeah, so the interesting thing here is that um, there is no uh, one silver bullet solution. 
every single retail operator, even every single flower room within a given cultivation facility operates differently. So one of the things that we look at on the retail side is what does the assortment look like? How much stuff do we need to have at the dispensary to influence basket size or to influence foot traffic? And um, we're constantly asking, how many strains do we need to have to get people excited? And what's the difference between those strains? Do people want strains that are grown by ourselves in a vertically integrated operation or, or, or branded as such? Or do people want to have guest or third-party strains coming in? And what is the relationship between foot traffic and basket size as the assortment changes for strains of eighths or strains of pre-rolls or flavors of gummies? So instead of saying, hey, this is the recipe, this is what you need to do, we build out models to answer it for your specific operation. A operator that has three dispensaries in their network, each dispensary has a different demographic of patients or customers that are coming in. So the assortment criteria is going to be different for everything. So by creating these tools to say, hey, look, you need to have your sweet spot is having 17 strains. And what you're going to see is that you're not going to have any bump in basket size. People are always going to buy 1.75 eighths at this specific store. Mm -hmm. But what you are going to see is more people are going to walk in the door. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting thing that I found in that was when you have your sweet spot of eighth varieties available, let's call Mm -hmm. it 15, it influences foot traffic for people not buying eighths at all. Mm -hmm. I found that to be fascinating. So what does that mean? You have a menu, people go online and they see what you have. And just by having a lot of stuff on the menu influences uh, influences uh, the behavior of people not even buying those things on the menu. And I thought that was really just absolutely fascinating. So it actually converts folks from, it actually encourages new purchase. New purchases for, for things that are not even what was purchased. Yeah. So the behavior of people not buying eighths Mm-hmm. You have more people coming in not buying Ace than you would if you had a lower amount of variety. Interesting. And how do I mean? I, I mean, this is kind of a general data analytics question, but how do you correlation does not equal causation always? How, how do you kind of figure out or what's the process for kind of deciding? You know, is this insight something that I can base a business decision on? You know, meaning is is it is there a correlation here that actually means that there, or is there a causal relationship that means that well, if I if I don't have enough. Or if I if I don't have enough options, if I increase my co- options, it will actually change behavior. Or how do you distinguish that between something that is you know is correlated because some other cause that you know if you change your availability or your options, it won't actually cause it because it's not the root cause. How, how do you distinguish between that? Yeah. So the first thing that we do is we change the time window. So if we can see a pattern between month one and month five, and then we see that same pattern between month two and month nine, and we see the same thing between month one, month 12, Uh there's it's kind of a, a process and a behavior that's repeatable, uh-huh. agnostic to the time frame. Yeah. So that's one thing. And the models that we're creating seamlessly allow you to do that. The next piece is testing. Yeah. And that's the fun part. And uh, a control test is something that allows you to basically have some definitive clarity as to is a change to a process actually influencing a behavior that you want? Yes or no? And you, um, and it's very easy these days because everything is digital. So you send a campaign out to, um, uh, there's a hundred people that are exhibiting behavior of, of churn. 
you send no campaign out to 25 people. You send uh, campaign one to 25 people, campaign two to 25 people, and campaign three to 25 people. And then you measure the output. Does the behavior from campaign one, two, or three have a significant statistical difference from the control? And if so, then you can feel comfortable about making an informed decision. But I always say this, there is the there's the quantitative piece, which comes from the uh, the analysis and the data, but there's the qualitative piece. You can't just look at a, a business intelligence visualization and make a decision about um, about your operation without having context in this uh, qualitative component. If the model is telling you to only grow one phenotype because it gets the best yield per square foot, and you just blindly follow that, yeah. and then you you end up with 500 pounds of a CBD strain that no one really <laughs> wants to buy. Yeah. So there's this business context that you always, every time, have to overlay into the quant side in order to make sure that you're being responsible with the decision-making process. Yeah. Curious about your business model as you work with companies. Are you uh, keeping each company kind of its own data set? Do you provide kind of abstracted data sets that you can share between companies? You know, that give each each company a better sort of aggregated data to work with. And are, are you providing any public kind of public data sets as you kind of work with different companies and, and pull this stuff together? What's where are you playing? Who owns the data? What are you What are you doing with that data in terms of you know creating? kind of insights at a broader broader level for the industry. Yeah, so this is where we differentiate a little bit in the sense that uh, a lot of uh, companies that are in the data space are basically aggregating, anonymizing, and then reselling data. Mm-hmm. We do not do that at all. All of our customers' data sit in dedicated, secure AWS data warehouses. Mm-hmm. And there is no transferring, aggregating, normalizing, anonymizing data. The client's or customer's data is their data, and uh, it does not leave the confines of that data warehouse. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that we, we really pride ourselves on, is that we keep the data the data. The only thing that we share is best practices as we continue to grow our experience with within this industry. And one of the pieces that kind of dovetails into that, Bruce, is that there are no recipes. If I aggregate the retail data from 50 different dispensaries and give you insight, that insight is likely not going to be relevant for your specific operation. There are definitely great companies out there that are aggregating point of sale data and creating really elegant market level insight. But the market level insight is not going to be as meaningful in influencing the day to day optimization of your operation than the very, very bottom up, so to speak. So we kind of pride ourselves in being really, really granular and detailed and making decisions about your own data. And you can it can be influenced by what the market is is telling us. But But um, we're seeing it's easier to understand which levers you can control to influence the optimization of your process if you have the ability to control those levers. And that's what our data tools allow you to do. Yeah. And as you look at what some other industries are doing, you know, with 
this kind of business intelligence and, and analytics tools. What do you think is next for the cannabis industry in terms of as, as we grow and mature and evolve? How do you think data is going to be used in the future? And I mean, guess what data are we going to use? How are we going to use it to make better business decisions in cannabis businesses? Yeah, so I think before you get into that, it's um, the way that this is going to evolve is creating more of a culture of data-driven decision-making, mm-hmm. getting people excited about using data to actually influence change in the operation. And I I believe that it's it's going to be the same flavor of data that we're using today. Because of compliance regulations, we have to track every single plant, every single inventory ID, every single package. And that is something that uh, kind of in a celebratory sense started from its most nascent stages in the in the legal cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. As soon as things started, it was required to track the data. So you have this trove of, of data available. And if you have the ability to roll up from the lowest common denominator, which is the plant or the package ID or the customer, mm-hmm. the models that you can build are endless. Yeah. And as technology gets better to look at sensors, to look at machine learning, uh, predictive modeling, as that all those tools kind of make their way into the cannabis space, everything will become faster and better and easier. And it's definitely something to celebrate. Yeah, it, it is interesting because I know a lot of people complain about all the data that needs to get entered and everything has to get weighed and tracked. And it's it, it can become extremely burdensome for the operational process, but the interesting side benefit that you know was sort of unintended consequence of the original re- legislation regulation is the fact that we have all this data. Like we actually, you know, we've we've tracked everything from you know from when cut from the mother to you know package on the shelf. We actually have uh, a continuous train of uninterrupted data for most of these processes, and and really it creates an interesting opportunity. Uh, yeah, I think most companies are not seeing it that way, and certainly not leveraging it yet. But um, you know, it'll be interesting as this becomes more. Yet, but um, you know, it'll be interesting as this becomes more sophisticated. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that's a differentiating factor, right? As consolidation happens, um, I mean, we just see uh, two days ago, new markets are coming on Montana, Mm -hmm. Arizona, uh, South Dakota, I think uh, New Jersey as well, all brand new markets and um, more people are looking. We're moving to this and there's a lot to to do and we're still not where we need to be yet, but it's certainly moving in the right direction. And that's going to influence a lot of things in terms of consolidation and just the economic opportunity in general. And when there's consolidation and there's economic opportunity, there's competition. And in order to differentiate yourself from your competitors, you need to be lean and you need to make data based on rational decision making. You need to make decisions on data and um, being able to do so um, or, or or doing it or not is going to make it make or break you as it pertains to differentiating yourself from your competitor. Yeah. If you're not leveraging and you already you're already sitting on the data, right? If, yeah, exactly. If you're not leveraging the data that you already own in a meaningful way, you're setting yourself up for some really tough conversations in the future. Yeah, uh, Matt, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Kennel, what's the best way to get that information? Sure. Um, feel free to reach out to me on my email. It's Matt at Kennel.com. M-A-T-T at C-A-N-O-L-D.com. You can find me and Kennold on LinkedIn and our, our website too, Kennold.com. Great. I'll make sure that the links and the information are in the show notes so people can get that. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Matt. I appreciate your time. Bruce, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate what you're doing. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, 
Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.